0: Bad on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. Courtney Cronin is here, and we need the inside scoop because there's a million questions on what Matt Eberflew said yesterday. The Chicago Bears are looking to hire a defensive senior analyst. What the heck is that? We'll talk about that. Who are some of the candidates that are possible? Not a lot of names out there, so it'll be interesting to see what Courtney thinks on that. Chances that the Bears can turn this thing around. We also got to look at some of the injury updates heading into this Sunday. And finally, did Ryan Poles pull off an all time great fleece? It's starting to look that way. We'll talk about all that more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears Podcast. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, drop that five star review. You know what to do. Let's jump into the show. Courtney, defensive senior analyst. We're just throwing names out there now at the wall. I actually kind of like the concept that this is, right? Basically, Mm -hmm. Matt Eberflus going, I don't know what the heck uh, I'm doing in some of these uh, areas. I need some help here. I don't know if he's saying he doesn't know what he's doing, but realistically, I need help, right? There's a lot Mm -hmm. to do being the head coach, being a DC. I don't want to do both all by myself. I lost a major coach. What are we getting here with the defensive senior analyst? What is this position basically?
1: So they're not the first team to do something like this. And I think the way that Fluos positioned it yesterday probably could have had a little bit more clarity to it. Like when he, and I'm looking at this right now, he said that they want to get another set of eyes for advancing opponents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they want to have somebody to work on the upcoming opponent. Now, Like there are a lot of people when you put that out there of like all of the qualifications of what they want, you know, the question is, well, don't they already have somebody like this on staff? Why are we waiting until week six? So every team has pro scouts. They have different structures for what they, how they organize their personnel staff, but like every team is an already advancing opponent. It's not like the bears weren't doing that already. So like, what there's there's context that's needed here with what Floose was saying that he wants to add to his staff. He wants somebody who's going to help him with defensive scheme, a coach that's going to come in and strictly be focusing on ways to tweak what they're doing within the Tampa 2 system, and then also somebody who has maybe some ideas of getting more creative with different looks that they can throw at teams. And even Floose said that yesterday that – When it comes to the pass rush, when it comes to generating pressure, they have to continue to be creative. Now, the numbers will show you they have incrementally gotten more aggressive in terms of sending blitzes. We saw the highest rate of the season against Washington, the second highest pressure rate total. And that's good, but for somebody who is not only running a team but calling the defense – And you're down a coordinator, like not just down like a linebackers coach or a safety's coach. Like you're down somebody who's supposed to be doing the bulk of that during the week to let you be the CEO type coach that you want to be, that you chose to be when you came here. Like he needs help. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that by any stretch. I just wish that we need to provide clarity on what the role actually is for a senior defensive analyst. Like other teams have done this before in other ways. Like when I covered the Minnesota Vikings in 2019 – so they fired, or um, the year before in 2018, John Filippo was their offensive coordinator. He gets fired after week 15. Kevin Stefanski takes over. Now, Kevin Stefanski, head coach of the Browns. Like, they needed help for those yeah. final three games of the season. Stefanski, like, you know, called the defense or called the offense himself. And then immediately, when they take away that interim tag for him and make him the offensive coordinator, they start putting a support staff in place. That support staff was Gary Kubiak, who in 2019 was hired as, what was his official title? Assistant head coach and offensive (laughs) advisor. So Gary was doing this for a portion of the year, like remotely, because he had been, um, obviously he was the head coach of Denver Broncos for a long time, had some health concerns that caused him to retire, but like he was already doing some scouting work from, his ranch in Texas for the Denver Broncos, like advanced work on, on draft prospects. So for him, this was a way to get back into the game. And then of course he ends up back in the building with the team um, and becomes the offensive coordinator. when Stefanski ends up leaving for the Browns job. Now I'm not saying that this senior defensive analyst that Flus is going to hire, is going to be somebody who eventually will be their defensive coordinator. We really don't know. But this is not something that's an out-of-the-box idea by any stretch. A lot of teams have this. Think back to last year, week three, I think it was, when – the Denver Broncos kind of forced Jerry Rosberg on Nathaniel Hackett in that moment to, you know, be his game manager, more or less. Like he was in a senior advisor role. And we, I mean, we've just, we've seen this before. Dom Capers did it for the Minnesota Vikings back in 2020, 2021. Um, Zim brought him in. I mean, a lot of, a lot of times there are coaches who are, should be retired, but, like, can't give up the game, and then they get the senior defensive, senior <laughs> offensive, analyst assistant, associate head coach, whatever it is. Like, they get these roles to keep them close to the game. Yeah. But, like, I don't – yeah. Like, in that example, I don't know exactly what Dom Capers did. Uh, I know there's, like, oh, we might, like, switch up some – and have some three, four looks in here, and, like, he can bring some of his pressure packages. That never actually, like, came to, man- like, to manifest itself, but – with Gary Kubiak in helping Kevin Stefanski along like as he was becoming a coordinator for the first time I think that really paid dividends so for Matt Eberflus to bring somebody in who's going to be focused on like he's not doing the day-to-day like pro scout advances that stuff goes yeah, yeah, yeah. that's with like Brian Poles and his personnel staff but he's going to be focused on scheme adjustments and, like, truly figuring out ways that this defense can generate more pressure on quarterbacks because we know that's their biggest issue right now. And in a stretch that has two teams that are below 500, like, this is your chance to get this thing back on track. So having extra help in the building or out of the building, wherever he is, like, this is somebody who's going to help you watch film, or, like, he's going to be responsible for watching film on your next opponent and figuring out defensive ways, like – to attack them. I mean, it's, it's not a hard concept to understand. I just think that it was kind of convoluted the way that it was explained initially.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Cause when he said it, I was like, okay, like what, so what's he doing? Like, is this guy to me, this is an interesting thing because I think this is a guy that you're probably giving a trial run here, right. To basically say, okay, how do we work together? How do we fit together when you're helping me with this? Cause the bears are more than likely if flu sticks around going to need to hire a defensive coordinator yeah. heading into next season. I think that Fluce does want to be the CEO type of guy. Bears schedule maybe breaks for them where they start to get some wins here and you feel a little bit better about Fluce sticking around. When you start to look at, and and you, your tweet broke it down perfectly, I'm literally reading off of it right now, uh, looking for somebody who's been in the NFL a while, bonus if he knows the defense, could be in the building, could work remotely.
1: Listen to how vague it is. Like, obviously, the person's going to be good going to know your defense. Like, yeah. he, he kept it very broad to be like, well, it's good to know the defense, but also, like, have other outside ideas. Like, Of course. Yeah. Like, that's common sense. Like, you want somebody who understands what you're running, but also who – Maybe has been in a couple other systems who can pull ideas for different blitzes for different yeah. stunts, for different things that you're going to do up front to generate pressure in ways that this defense right now is not doing and it's it's just like it's a very basic thing, and i, I don't I mean the whole idea of him working from Hallis Hall or not working from hallis Hall, I would imagine that like this coaching staff's going to want somebody in the building, but yeah. You know, to work from home, more or less, like I just we're not in that virtual world anymore. Like coaches want to be in the building right. with other coaches. And I just I do not see a situation where somebody is like working remotely from another state, even though it, it is possible the technology that you have. But I just for where this team is right now in a tenuous spot at one and four trying to turn this thing around. You know, you're going to want to be all hands on deck to get yeah. this defense turned around first, and that would require, I think, you know, mega communication from whoever this person is, a senior defensive analyst um, that they have yet, yet, yet to hire. Like Matt Eberflew said, there's no timeline on it. I would imagine it's going to be soon yeah. because – you don't want to be in a situation where it's like, all right, we'll wait till like week eight till we get somebody. No, like yeah. what he, t- why he told us this is that they're already, they're already very much in the process of trying to, f- of trying to hire somebody. So I wouldn't be surprised if we find out this week.
0: I, I'm, what I heard work remotely. I was like, okay, well, there's probably two names that they're really talking to. I think one is the one every Bears fan in the world probably wants. Lovey Smith, I think probably got at least a phone call here. And the other one for me was Leslie Frazier. Because Mm -hmm. of work, I am I. Didn't Leslie have Unique in Minnesota, or did Unique come after Leslie? He came years after Leslie was there in
1: 2013. But like, let me say something about the Lovey Smith thing. Like, am I the only one who thinks that's kind of far fetched? I
0: I, only reason I said it is because work remotely. But I here's my thing with Lovey. Lovey's going to run his... So he's going to look at the tape and he's going to say, we're going to rush four. That doesn't work here. But when Lovey was here, Lovey was rushing four. Yeah, he was the not personnel he had, the like, you know. But, right, exactly. That personnel is not here. If I'm having a conversation about anybody, maybe Leslie Frazier, because I know he's going to look at Tremaine Edmonds and say, go blitz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what this Bears team needs. So... I thought those were the two candidates that stuck out to me. Are there, is there anybody else who maybe sticks out in your mind? There's not
1: a lot of big names that, like, four
0: three, you know what I mean?
1: But, like, at this point of the season, you know what I mean? Like, good coaches are already on other people's staffs right now, and you can't go poaching anybody in the middle of the season. So, it would have to be somebody who, if you know, What Matt Eberflus was saying about experience, clearly you want somebody who's been doing this for a minute. So it would have to be like Leslie Frazier is the only name that like of those two that you mentioned, I don't, I don't think Lovey Smith's coming back here. Like, I really don't like thinking about, you
0: need to break the curse, Courtney. That's what it is.
1: Yeah. But like he left, he left the team fired him after he was 10 and six. Why the hell would he want to come back here? He already did this team a favor by going for two against the Colts. Like he's done enough. I would be shocked if Lovey Smith ends up back here in this role in some form or fashion. I think that there's too many politics, too many feelings involved with this and the way things ended. And To the point of Leslie Frazier, though, like, I give that one at least a puncher's chance because he's somebody who stepped away from Buffalo after last season, had not ruled out coming back to coaching, but this sounded like a one- or two-year break, just taking a step away from the game to reevaluate where he is uh, in his career, and his personal life, what have you, so... Could that work? Yeah, I could imagine that one working. But like when you're trying to parse through all these other names and trying to draw ties to okay, is there somebody who was on staff with Eberflus in uh, Indianapolis or yeah. in you know in in Dallas that could work? Well, he ruled out Rod Marinelli. He's retired. He retired after the 2021 season. So it just feels like it's kind of slim pickings right now. But It doesn't necessarily need to be this splash hire either. This is somebody literally to help do a lot of the heavy lifting behind the scenes in the advanced work. Fluce is still calling the defense on game days. It's still up to him. This is somebody to show you, Hey, I just went through hours of tape on this opponent, looking at tendencies, looking at different tells, all of these things that scouts do. It's not that the scouting department is obsolete. But, like, when you're putting together an, an advance, a pro advance, like every team is different in terms of how, like, every coaching staff's different and how much information they want from these pro scouts versus, you know, how, how truncated or condensed it can be. Yeah. But, like, they want somebody from a coaching perspective because a pro scout isn't coming co- – they're coming in and telling you tendencies. They're not coming in and saying, hey, Matt Eberflus, head coach, I'm a pro scout, I, you know, c- go rush, you know – rush for in this situation, like in this situation, like it, it's best to blitz. Like they're not, they're giving, they're not like giving you ideas, but they're giving you information that it's yeah. up to the coaching staff to ingest that information and figure out what to do with it. This person is the person to figure out what to do with that information to then help Matt Eberflus build his defensive game plan.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And it, I, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I think that Lovey is a, I mean, listen. If if he came back, it would be fanfare. But my co-host on the Breeze said it best. Uh, he was talking. We were talking about this yesterday, and he said, "When when your stock is low and popularity is fading, who do you go get? The guy who everybody loves, right? Like this is a this is a politics type move. If you go get Lovey Smith, but." I don't see it. I think that there are. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't even see Leslie Frazier that much. I think there's more of a puncher's chance. Somebody chances. who's kind of coming up through the rankings, sure. and maybe you want to give that opportunity to be the next DC of the Chicago Bears. Uh, it will not be Sean Desai. I can guarantee that. Uh, I saw that a couple of times yesterday too. Like, what's Sean Desai doing? I was like, we. Why are we just retreading all these old guys? Right. Like, he also get has and a fix it all.
1: Yeah, he also has a job somewhere. <laughs> Like, he's the defensive coordinator of the Eagles right now.
0: Yeah. Oh, he is, isn't yeah, he? Yeah,
1: like, what is wrong with people? Like, it really, it do well, some research. 3-4-4-3, three, four,
0: four, three, all of that. It's. It. There's it's, There's so much, like, that goes into this where you're just throwing names out there. Let's go get this guy. And it's, realistically speaking, that's not how it's going to work. You're probably going to promote somebody who's on another staff or maybe who's coming up through the ranks and is like, I mean, a linebackers coach, maybe something like that. But like,
1: like, that's the thing—you got to realize when people are under contract on other teams, they cannot leave true. mid-season. Leave, yeah. so this has got to be somebody who's either in retirement and considering yeah. coming out of retirement, which is why those other names. Why I give Leslie Frazier's name a little bit, you know, more credence certainly than Lovey Smith, but yeah. it's. It's hard to fi- – like, at this point of the season, it's very difficult. Like, typically when you're bringing on somebody midseason, it's due to a firing, it's due to something going not right with your staff. And yeah. they're down a guy right now because of the resignation of Alan Williams. So to find somebody just to help, like, pick up the slack more or less so it's not all falling on Matt Eberflus on top of his duties of being head coach already, right. it's a smart thing to do. But I don't know how much, like – Is it going to change what this defense does, change its identity? No, it just might give you a chance to have another set of eyes on the product to see, okay, are we doing everything we can in a given situation to be successful?
0: And I think, right, the Leslie Frazier conversation maybe is a little bit of a dual, you know, another ear to be able to call on. Leslie's had his job called for before. Leslie's been mm-hmm. in the head coaching situation, right? That's that's information that you can exchange on. How, and, and I know because Fluse is older, a lot of us forget this, but, like, he's learning on the job. He's figuring it out as he goes, just like Justin is, just like Getsy is. All right, that's why he wants these guys in place. So I hope that we find the right guy. Uh, I'd be shocked if it is a Levy Smith, but we'll see kind of what that is. But let's jump into the second quarter here. We do want to let you guys know, by the way, that this podcast is also brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. Make sure that you guys Get down there and check out all the great shows they have going on down there. Uh, so we've got a ton of injuries on this team right now, but it seems like some of this is going to be clearing up. Eddie Jackson talked about how he's rearing to get out back out there again. Um, Where are we at right now with the injuries just on the DB side of things? We know a couple of guys designated to come back. Mm -hmm. Who are we getting back? Possibly this Sunday.
1: Kyler Gordon's the big one. So he was designated to return from IR yesterday and That means he'll be able to come back to practice. Now they'll have to, again, just like we saw with Tevin Jenkins last week, have to clear a roster spot to to get him onto the roster. But with the times I've seen him, once in the locker room after the Denver game and another time in the building, he hasn't had that cast on his hand anymore, which is good because, you know – I was kind of surprised when they said, and we don't know exactly, of course, at the the severity of the break. But When you said fractured hand on that blitz against Green Bay, I thought that was going to keep him out more than a month. But yeah. with him gearing up to get back, that's great news because as 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 well as Gre- Greg Stroman played in the previous game um, in the nickel, uh, obviously he like got he had got a sack too, like. Yeah he's done, he's done pretty well. Like, but you want to have your guy back there. And even Matt Eberflus said yesterday, like when you're playing that position and playing it really well, like no, no shade on on Greg Stroman, but like that's something that can be a game changer within this defense. And that will give you an opportunity, you know, to, to do things differently with your, with your secondary and when you can get everybody else healthy. Now, We know that Jalen Johnson's dealing with a hamstring injury. No real timeline on that one. So, like, it's been now a couple – it's been two – you know, he missed – he came out of the Denver game, uh, right? Like, he came out of the Denver game. He did not play against Washington. So, hopefully for his sake, this isn't something that's going to keep him out a while. But – you know, you're dealing with hamstring injuries elsewhere too. I mean Josh Blackwell's had the one that's had him go like in and out. So it's another one to monitor. Like, you know, right now, good news, you're not dealing with that. But like soft tissue injuries tend to have a recurrence rate, which this team doesn't need right now. Eddie Jackson with the foot, I know when he was on with us last week when he did a live remote with Black and Abdallah, he said he was close. Um, so it could be this week for him. Jaquan yeah. Briskers had you know, a number of different things pop up, but the secondary's really banged up right now, and that's not great. And I think the silver lining in all of this is that they've had 10 days, or by the time they get to that Minnesota game, they will have had 10 days between the Washington game and all of the off time to heal up that maybe you will start to see a secondary that looks like it's back, or gearing back to full health.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, Jalen Johnson talked yesterday. He said that he felt like he's ready to go he feels like he's ready to return from injury we heard the same thing from eddie jackson like i love hearing this but i like to see these guys cleared you know what i mean to, to yeah. come back and play kyler gordon's an interesting one unfortunately like you said right like somebody they have to clear that roster spot we've got guys on ir who they brought pieces in who feels like they're probably going to be the odd man out at this point Uh, if Kyler Gordon can come back, right? Like there's no Chase Claypool to trade anymore.
1: (laughs) I know. Uh it definitely can't be Deontay Foreman, can it? Because that's the other injury situation. You know, it's a guy who's been inactive since week two, every single game. And right now we know Khalil Herbert with the reported high ankle sprain. That's something that's gonna cost you a couple weeks. Now, Thankfully, it doesn't sound like it's that injury looked a lot worse in person when he he came back out.
0: I thought he was gonna be out for a little while when he went down immediately. Yeah, Yeah. and
1: like, yeah, he comes back out, he can't plant on it. Like, I commend him for even trying when he goes out initially and he's running, he goes in the medical tent, comes back out, medical tent's still up, but you see him like running back and forth behind it. Like, he was trying and just like you saw with Travis Kelsey, when there's when those sprains happen in games, like you can play through it that day. It's just yeah. everything, like they'll tape it up, they'll do things to make sure you can get through a game, but it's beyond that. So we know that Herbert's hurt, Travis Homer has a hamstring injury, Roshan Johnson very well could still be in the concussion protocol. We don't know. Yeah. So you're down to Kari game your fullback. They just signed Darrington Evans to the active roster. And then Deontay Foreman's still there. So good that you have depth there, but that's not a position that you can, like, you know, put, you know, move somebody to get Kyler Gordon onto the roster. Now, I think that there's things that they can do as far as, you know, just moving pieces around, waving somebody, bringing them back to the practice squad to keep them in the fold, who that might be right now. I don't know. Maybe you take a look at like linebacker depth. Maybe you yeah. take a look like somewhere else just to be able to, like, basically, it's accounting. So, but when he's ready to come back, he will because they need him and to solidify the secondary a day that you're going to be going against a team that doesn't have Justin Jefferson. Doesn't mean your job's made easier, but also <laughs> means you don't have to cover Justin Jefferson. Yeah, Like they still need all the help they can get back there.
0: Well, I think that's that's the part where if Jalen Johnson can come back, I love it, right? Because the Jalen Johnson versus Jordan Addison matchup, I think that that's a much better matchup. Jalen Johnson does play Justin Jefferson well, but Justin Jefferson is still Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So I would love to see Jalen Johnson be able to get back out there for that. Eddie Jackson again would be a big uh replacement because Elijah Hicks. It just hasn't clicked for him yet, right? Like he's he's trying, but he, but he's yeah, hurting I mean, us while he's trying, you know what I mean? So there's a lot that to their, go
1: with there. Their D B situation has not been great because of injuries, and yeah. none of these guys that you have back out there, whether it's Greg Stroman, whether it's Josh Blackwell, uh, Elijah Hicks, AJ yeah. Thomas, whomever, and remember they do also have maybe maybe it's Deron Harmon. I don't know. Like I'm just <laughs> trying to think of play of, of guys that they can wave to get off the roster yeah. to create a roster spot. To then bring Kyler Gordon back. Like they'll find a way to do it. Like same thing with Doug Kramer. Like he was also designated to return. And yeah. you know, they clearly like him that they've kept enough, that they've kept him around. He hasn't played. He's been hurt the first two years of his career. But that's that's interior offensive line depth at worst. And we'll see if they end up, you know, getting him onto the active roster somehow, if they feel that they need to do that, because By the way, Lucas Patrick is also hurt. Like, they were really, really banged up um, coming out of that Washington game. I think they were breathing a pretty big sigh of relief knowing that they had 10 games in between then to get guys healthy again.
0: It's, I mean, listen, if Doug Kramer can snap, he's already, you know, moving in the right direction with what we got going on at the center position. Thank God Justin's 6'3 and has a vertical. Uh, Let's jump into halftime real quick. This is uh, where I get to have a little bit of fun with Courtney. We did this yesterday on The Breeze, and I want to bring it here to the Chicago Bears podcast because I think that this is a really good topic. I want to know from you one team that you think is actually god-awful and has no chance in turning their season around, and one team that you think is bad right now but by the end of the season, we'll be talking about them a lot better than where we are right now.
1: I don't think that Denver is going to turn this thing around. Um, watching, I watched more of that game on Sunday than I thought I was going to, uh, which is, you know, it wasn't great football at all. Like <laughs> the Nathaniel, the Jets, the yeah. Nathaniel Hackett <laughs> revenge game was not a pretty product. They were zero for five in the red zone, like. Sack Wilson threw a fourth quarter interception deep in Denver territory. Like it was just, just It was bad. a Nathaniel
0: Hackett game. <laughs> it was
1: bad football. But on the other like, good for the Jets, glad they won. Like yeah. happy for them. On the other side of that, like Sean Payton hitched his wagon to Vance Joseph in that defense, which is historically bad, continues to get worse. And I I don't think like Russell Wilson, like I know people are like, oh, he looks worse than he did last year. That's actually like factually incorrect. Like yeah. he has not been nearly as much of the problem as he was in his first season with Denver. But like the late fumble and all of the you know the backbiting that you're seeing going on, especially like directed at that from the head coach to the quarterback. I think this thing is done. I yeah. think that this thing is like in the can. They're in the AFC West. They've got to face the Chargers. They've got to face the Chiefs. The Chiefs as early as this Thursday. Like <laughs> this, this to me is is so far gone. Five weeks into the season with a team that's one and one and four, and their only win came against Chicago because of, you know what happened in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah. But it's they're toast. They're toast. I don't know how much lo- like. The Walton Penner ownership group, like they have, they're the wealthiest ownership group in in the NFL. If they want truly, if they want to move on from any of the pieces at blame here, whether it's Russ, whether it's Sean Payton, whether it's Vance Joseph, whether it's anything, they can write a check and make that happen and not feel like an ounce of hurt from any of it. So. The idea that Sean Payton's got all this time, like, and you know, to turn it around, and I'll 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 outlast Russ, and he didn't obviously say that, but that's the mindset there. Will he? And also, like, this is really hurting his legacy more than Bill Belichick on the other side of that, who also has a team that's in a terrible spot right now. Bill won six Super Bowls. He will be just fine this can actually damage Sean Payton's legacy because of where he's at in his career. He's won one Super Bowl, and he's supposed to be the savior for this Denver team and fixing all of their issues offensively. Like defense, he he, that, that's, you went defense out his, but that falls on you as a head coach. So yeah. I do not think that they will turn it around now, as far as like the other teams, you know, everybody else in the NFL that I do think like has a chance, like my initial thought, as I was looking at, you know, I don't think it's fair to put the Bills in that category. Like, yeah, they lost a game Not on the good. road; they were tired. Uh, they went to London, um, like <laughs> literally tired, yeah, like, like exo-
0: literally exhausted.
1: <laughs> I, and like, it's hard because it's like, I don't think I want to put the Colts in that territory too. Yeah, they lost Anthony Richardson again, but they're three and two. They beat the Titans. Like, I think they're actually a decent football team. Who falls into this category for me? Is the Cincinnati Bengals and I know that they just they just won um, against Arizona. They, why can't I find like their score to find out like what that score was? I watched that game.
0: Thirty-four uh, um, twenty. They uh, they actually had a pretty good game. There it is. Arizona. Yeah. So
1: like, and I mean that fourth quarter too. Like they when they pulled away for good. Um, I know they have issues offensively, and I know a lot of that stems with the health of the quarterback. They're 2-3 and three right now. This is a team, the last two seasons, that has had notoriously slow starts. And yeah. in the AFC, everybody thinks, oh, you lose two games, you're done. Um, yeah. Not this year. Not this year. The Bills have <laughs> two losses um, right now. The, the Colts have two losses right now. The Jaguars have two losses right now. I'm just reading through all of this.
0: The Ravens. The, the Ravens Rats, have two hey. losses.
1: Like, I... I think the level of playing field here in the AFC, and yeah, the Bengals have one more loss than everybody else. Like, I actually think they're going to be okay. I think that this thing with Joe Burrow, they're finding a workaround for it. Like, Jamar Chase, like, had a much better day in terms of, like, feeling good, leaving that game, knowing that he got 19 targets. Like, (laughs) holy holy shit so like 19 <laughs> targets like i know he wanted the ball and he said i'm always open i'm always bleeping open but like
0: 19 targets he wasn't wrong he clearly like, wasn't wrong
1: <laughs> oh my god um i don't know if he's ever gonna have a 15 catch 192 yard three touchdown day again this season then again like i go back to that playoff or the was it the last regular season game that they had before the playoffs in yeah, 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one against the chiefs where he went nuclear like he could do it again but Know for Burrow to have a game like that 36 46, 317, three touchdowns and an interception like that. That's a good bounce back. I know the Cardinals are not very good team, and Cincinnati has to go through the AFC North, which is always going to be a gauntlet. But I I, I put my money, I'm never going to not put my money on a team that's shown. The past two seasons that they can not be so good in the early part of the season. September can be a trial for them and they still somehow end up in the AFC championship game.
0: No, nah, I'm, I'm with you. Like I, I, that was the team that I picked. The only thing that scares the heck out of me. And listen, I would assume that they're going to get it together because they kind of got it together the last couple of seasons with this offensive line. But I mean, every single week, Joe Burrow is getting destroyed three sacks this week, mm-hmm. three sacks last week. Two sacks versus the Rams. Two sacks versus Cleveland. Every versus time Baltimore. he gets hit,
1: I cringe because I just worry about the calf. You don't want calf injuries like Aaron Rodgers, like Kevin yeah. Durant, like a lot of times those devolve into things that are worse than just a strained, pulled yes. calf muscle. You don't want it to become an Achilles. And I, after week two. I said, I wish that they'll just, I wish they would just shut him down, put him on IR for four weeks. Yeah. Then they let him play that game against the Rams on Monday Night Football. And we discussed this on Around the Horn. Like, do you, you know, should they shut him down now? Like, no, they told you after that game (laughs) that they're not shutting him down. Like, you can't, unless he gets injured again and shows up in the injury report, they're not just putting him on IR. So they're going to roll with this. They believe in their plan clearly. Um, to to insulate him, even though it looks like he's out there a lot of times, like taking hits, not in the best situation to throw the ball downfield, but he found at least a workaround for this game. And, you know, I'll have to look and see what their schedule is in the next couple of weeks. Like this week they've got the Seahawks. Seahawks are coming off a bye. Not not great timing. Granted they're at home, but like they do have that week seven bye. I think they're really eyeing that. Yeah. To be able to all right get one more win here get this thing to 500, go into the bye. Hopefully you have enough time there of rest for Joe Burrow to literally do nothing and be on ice for 10 days <laughs> and then, then go from there.
0: Hey, hey I, I'm I'm with you on the Bengals. That's the team. I still got them. I, I think I picked them to go to the AFC championship game. I, I still feel like they can, like that, that's, that's, My team that I'm always just like he'll figure it out like Joey B's they they
1: always do like it's wild year after year like they like had a terrible start last year they end up in the AFC Championship game like you know the Super Bowl year they they didn't start out that hot either like they just they just do this I guess it's like the luxury of having. really good quarterback play to to make up for stuff even if the quarterback right now is not feeling his best
0: could you could you not do it without getting him killed i i see yeah. if he keeps getting hit like this he's going to be andrew luck he's going to be that's not what i wish for him, worry right? is what like you worry he's about, he's, he's getting hit Mm -hmm. so much. It's at an alarming rate. But hey, Bears fans, I mean, listen, Jamar Chase went off for 15 receptions, 192 touchdowns, and he still wasn't the best receiver this week. That guy's on our team. Uh, Let's jump into the third quarter here, because uh, to me, looking at what we saw last night with that Packers game, Packers, I mean, Jordan Love looked abysmal. Not great. Crosby was in his face all night. That makes a big, big difference. But You know, it did not look good, and it kind of keeps things open in this division, right? Listen, Detroit, they are leaps and bounds the best team in the division by far, but after that, it's kind of like, I mean, uh, trash, garbage, and then refuse, however you want to like order that up with the three teams that we have here, where do you give the chances for the Bears to turn this thing around, especially coming into Sunday's game where There is no Justin Jefferson and it seems like we may be getting healthy at the right time.
1: Yeah, I you know, no who would have thought that you'd have two one and four teams between Minnesota and Chicago in this game. Like I wasn't I didn't
0: think we'd be the one in four team. That was all I (laughs) I didn't think that
1: the Vikings would be in this situation. Like I didn't think they're gonna be four and one by any means, but like they've fallen off a cliff here. And it's not good um it's not good for them as far as like what they want you know what they thought they could do coming off a 13 win season last year but it also shows you that there you can poke some holes in that resume but what this means for the bears in the NFC north like we know like put detroit in a class on its own the packers are struggling they're 2 and 3 right now yep. going into their bye week coming off a game where jordan love seems like he's kind of hit a wall in terms of this uh, this offensive roller coaster that's been progression in some weeks, like when they come back and they beat the Saints at home, and then regression in other weeks when they give up a lead to Atlanta. And then last night, the three interceptions, like on that first one, he was asked oh about God. it after the game. The one he threw to linebacker, he said he didn't see him. Yeah. He literally didn't see him. And then you can see Matt LaFleur on the sideline. The you know, the uh, a Meek Robertson uh, pick at the end of the game on 3rd yeah. and 10 last night. Like, is jumping up and down because Christian Watson is open. The throw was too late and it was underthrown. Yeah. But that's what you expect with a young quarterback. Yes, I know he's been on the team for a minute, but this is his first year as a starter. These moments where you have some really good moments and then some moments where, like, growth is not linear in football and anything really. But it's this is gonna be the trend that you see going forward here in in the rest of the, for the rest of the season for the Green Bay Packers. I don't think no. that their bye week's gonna come and they're all of a sudden gonna like look like a different team. Like their pass protection took a hit when David Bakhtiari like went on IR, they they were injured yesterday on the defensive side of the ball too. Like there's a lot at stake here as far as like how much time they have left to get it together, but I don't know if it's all of a sudden gonna be like magically they're gonna go on some run down the stretch of the season. So it's probably, I mean, but we knew this was going to be a wide open division in the NFC North. Am I saying that the bears have a a chance to contend for the second spot in the division? Not until we start seeing them actually put some wins together right now. The schedule is favorable because they have a less than 500 uh, Vikings team, a sub 500 Raiders team, Now's your chance to do it. And yep. Carolina comes to town in week ten. Like you have some bad football teams that you should, in theory, be able to take advantage of.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's the tough part, right? For a lot of Bears fans too. It's in theory the the biggest the things that I saw the Bears do versus the Commanders. You should be able to replicate versus. I mean, you got to kind of call it what it is. An old Vikings defense. Mm-hmm. Like, you should be able to attack this DB room the same way you were able to attack the commanders. I said this multiple times. I keep hearing this. I never want to hear this again this season after last week. What are you going to do when they shut down DJ Moore? They can't shut down DJ Moore. There's the, Unless they're going to put three guys on DJ Moore, there's nothing the Vikings can do to shut down DJ Moore. <laughs>
1: Well, I I don't know if – I mean, I wouldn't say that there's nothing they can do. Like, what what I worry about – what I worry about when, when Justin Fields, like, was talking last week, like, wow, I can't believe, like, he was singled up that many times. Like, I kept looking out, and he was one-on-one. Of course the ball's going there. Yeah. Can he still get the ball to DJ Moore when DJ's facing double coverage? When yeah. he's got somebody either, you know, shadowing him, whether he's facing bracket coverage, whatever it is, can – can he still be confident fitting that ball in there? He's better throwing tight window passes to DJ Moore than any other receiver on this Bears team. Yeah. But the caveat in all of this. If DJ Moore, if he can't get the ball to DJ Moore, can Darnell Mooney not have a game like he did last week? Like yeah, he, that was was, bad. he was he was not bad. good. He could tell like after the game he was not happy about it and for and for good reason because this was not like, the opportunities that he had against Washington. And just like was not able to capitalize. Like those are moments where you need a number two receiver. And Mooney last week, you know, four targets, zero catches. Like in a couple of them that hit his hands and they were just drops. So
0: Yeah. Like where you had opportunity the first play I, I don't know why he turned around. Like I That's that's the one thing I've never seen. I've never seen Darnell do that where he just was like, oh, Justin's going to underthrow me. Usually you're worried about the overthrow. The second throw was the overthrow. Third one should have been PI, but the ball also hits you dead in the chest. Maybe we can bring that one in through mm-hmm. the PI. That's that's why you had to go get a DJ Moore. So there's, I, I just, this Vikings defense, I mean, to me, you're talking about one name, Daniil Hunter. And outside mm-hmm. of that, it's like, okay, well, we 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 slowed down, you know, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, and uh, uh, Chase Young. Can we handle this one guy? The offensive line is the key to turning this around for me.
1: And luckily, when we're talking about injuries and health, Tevin Jenkins playing 37 snaps last week, and that's more than he thought he was going to because of the injury to Lucas Patrick, the to which Lucas, then, yes. you know, kicked Cody Whitehair inside. Um he looked good in those moments didn't give up a sack like those were those were important teaching moments for him as far as getting back on track here and staying healthy cuz that's the yeah. hard thing for him like you got to feel for tevin because every at every turn there's been some injury whether it was his back his first his r- rookie season the neck injury um you know the calf injury which yep. we still don't have a ton of clarity on um that situation but like for him he, this is important. This is, could be like in, you would think too, according to kind of what we've heard that Braxton Jones might not be too far off from returning too. like, this yeah. isn't a season ending neck injury from everything I've been told. So could that be a situation where eventually you get your five that you paid for, like um, to play together? Like, you know, if that can happen sooner rather than later, then that's a really good sign. But it, it's also good that Tevin Jenkins like had a nice way to kind of get his feet wet against the Washington Commanders and doing it against you know the most expensive, I would I would venture to guess the most expensive defensive uh, interior uh, defensive line probably. In the
0: NFL. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, probably. I mean, maybe the Bills. No, because well, no, Vaughn's still there. Maybe the Bills. But no, that that's gotta yeah, be I mean, me up there. It's gotta to be sure. top top two. In it. There, there's, there's so much money invested in it. They're like, we can't pay some of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's they it, the Bears have to me an interesting opportunity here because I didn't see anything from Vegas that made me feel like these they don't even want to throw the football to Devontae Adams, which almost helped me in fantasy. Uh but
1: What I, do I, they do I, to him? They this
0: I, is unfair. <laughs> I don't I don't get them. At all, I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, there's single cover Devonte Adams. Maybe throw it to Devonte Adams. Oh no, we're just going to run the football down the what field. What was like but- four
1: catches, 45 yards? Like he yeah. set up, he set up that Jacoby Myers touchdown, which was great. But like they went to him one time in the first yeah. half, he disappeared, and then bad. they it just. <laughs> I hate that they're doing this to him. Um, I just it, I hate that because he's he a great the, receiver. Like, he was
0: the player, I think, that we predicted to have a down season this year just because of that, the
1: quarterback situation. Uh, yeah,
0: but the quarterback, to me, the coach situation. Like, mm-hmm. I, I no faith in Jack, Josh McDaniels. Anymore. No
1: one should, not after that decision to kick the 52-yard <laughs> field goal, to play for a field goal, which they missed, and then his cornerback, his young cornerback, bails him out on third and 10 because yeah. he picks off a pass.
0: Ugh, yeah. Uh, you know, oh, God. yeah, it is bad. It is bad. Hey, listen, Bears, you got an opportunity here. You don't play, to me, I mean, heck. I don't even know what the Chargers are. Are the Chargers, like, man, are the Chargers, like, the AFC version of of the the Vikings almost like they're better. I like their quarterback situation better, but that team is confusing.
1: Yeah. And like they, they had the bye this past week. So like yeah. they're two and two right now. The last time we saw them play um, was the Raiders. And it's when they won 24, 17, they beat Minnesota, but they lost to Miami. That was the shootout week. One, the Tennessee loss was bizarre too. I can't ever figure them out. And they find creative ways to lose games. Now every for- week, you know the Bears have games on the road right now. It's Sunday Night Football. Like yeah. we'll we'll see if that game ends up getting flexed out of that spot because I believe it would be eligible since we're past when it was, flexing started. What week five, week, week six? Week five, you could start. Flexing. Um. So we'll see. But like they they are a weird team too. They very well could be the Vikings of the AFC West.
0: And they're gonna be. I mean, well, the, I guess we are the easy point in their schedule because they got cowboy. Uh, never mind, the Cowboys are the easy point in their schedule. That's their next game. They should dominate them. Oh, no, I
1: don't know about that. I mean, that that like,
0: Cowboys team. They look terrible, is, but
1: like the NFC is the is the 49ers, the Eagles, and then a massive right. yeah. gap between <laughs> <Yeah>. anybody else. <laughs> And and Detroit's ahead, in my opinion. Detroit is ahead right now. Dallas is a team where it's
0: just like, if I take away one guy on each side, your team's dead. If I take away Dak or I take away Micah, your team is dead. It's such a weird team to me. Uh, Let's finish it off with this. Fourth quarter is here. Courtney, I've got a question for you. If things continue to go the way that they're going this season, let's say... The Bears keep improving offensively like we've seen, or heck, just keep it right here, right? Like if we do this offensively, rest of the season, four touchdowns a game, all that good stuff, right? And the Carolina Panthers continue to be just the dregs of the NFL. Will Ryan Pohl's trade go down as an all-time fleece of the Carolina Panthers? There's some good ones in here for trades. I forgot about somebody. I forgot how many picks Denver gave up for Russ, which makes that look even Mm -hmm. worse. Of course, us with Mitch Trubisky. Um, the bills uh got Kelvin Benjamin for two draft picks as well. Like, there's some bad ones in here that I kind of forgot about. Like,
1: yeah, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it a fleece just yet because they did, but like, they were really strategic with trading the number one overall pick and what they wanted back in return. Like, obviously, you got Carol, you move back to nine, you get the additional first round pick for next year, you get the 2025 second rounder. Um, and to get DJ Moore in there too, like. I don't know if DJ Moore in Carolina right now would be doing any better than any of the receivers there. Like this is a growing pain year for Bryce Young. Um, And it does feel like the wheels have come off this thing and we're just entering week six right now. Like it's not great the way that they're talking about it, the way that Frank Reich is talking about, um, you know, how things are with ownership. Yeah. But, If they continue playing the way they are right now, winless, 0-5, like this means that they're headed for the number one overall pick. That's Chicago's pick. And if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you want the Carolina Panthers to lose every single game imaginable when you're circling Week 10 saying that is must win. And they're
0: willing to oblige.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like, I... I don't know if this ends up being a situation where like we look at this as like, wow, what a heist. Like this is what yeah. Ryan Poles had to do. And I don't think on the other side of that that Bryce Young is a terrible NFL quarterback. I think right now he's going through the ups and downs of being a smaller quarterback in the NFL, which again, we knew was a concern at five ten. I mean, they gets hurt on the sneak or you know, they couldn't sneak it with him because he yeah. is too little for that. And then ends up having to miss a game. Like This is the ups and downs that he has faced in his early career. Does it mean that it's going to last forever? No, but the best rookie right now is C.J. Stroud, without question. I mean, Anthony Richardson has a sprained A.C. joint. Who knows the next time that we're going to get to see him out there, but it's – I think Carolina did what they had to do. They've not had any quarterback stability since Cam Newton was there. This is the move that they had to make this season with a new coaching staff and a front office that was trying to save, you know, save its future with yeah. the Panthers. So I don't fault either side. And I but I don't know if it's gonna end up being like Ryan Poles will end up looking like the winner of this trade if things continue on this path for Chicago. If Carolina falls off, continues to fall off the cliff that they're on right now and that pick becomes Chicago's, but yeah. big picture wise, like I don't consider it like the, the 2017 trade, like where the San Francisco 49ers fleeced the Chicago bears yeah. because everybody knew when like, I was out there, like everybody knew they weren't taking a quarterback. They were going to take Solomon Thomas regardless. And, not that that became a great pick for them either way, but they didn't get stuck with the Mitch Trubisky nonsense and they got, um, you know, good draft capital in return for that. Like I consider that like the biggest fleece of maybe our generation within the last like 10, 15 years in the NFL draft, but no polls polls needs a win in terms of, in terms of I won this trade. This one paid big dividends for my franchise because he's definitely had to, had to eat it with some of these other moves that haven't panned out. And It's been a nice long week where we haven't really had to talk about Chase Claypool anymore (laughs) and all of that craziness.
0: It's so wild because it's like from one week to the next, it's like Allen Williams, Chase Claypool, Justin Fields is a robot. And then this week it's just like, hey, we won a football game. It's like, (laughs) oh, wait a minute. Are we not talking about anything? It
1: (laughs) is so crazy how winning changes everybody's moods in the NFL. In buildings, like across the league, a win can be – the determining factor for, wow, I'm going to have a good week, or, wow, my week is going to be brutal. Yep. Like, th- the highs are so extremely high, and the lows are, like, bottoming out, bottom of the barrel, like the absolute pits. So, yeah. for this team, now having 10 days in between games, the wind coming at a right time, um, and DJ Moore, like, wh- where is he right now? Like, I, I didn't <laughs> look after the weekend. I know he's second in fantasy points scored, which, like, that's wild to think about for an offense that struggled so much early on uh, that they've been able to make D.J. Moore into a receiver who has the highest amount of receiving yards that come through him in the NFL. And, you know, he's top five in receiving right now after five weeks, which basically came from two games.
0: Yeah, and, and, and the fact that, right, like, We're talking about a Bears offense that has a top five quarterback and a Mm -hmm. top five wide receiver all at once. You know what I mean? Like, I'll take it, and and it does cure everything. To me, I think that's why, though, because, I mean, listen, we've watched DJ Moore with bad quarterbacks, right? If he's Mm -hmm. there with Bryce... It makes life for Bryce a lot easier because where am I throwing it? I don't know. DJ's down there somewhere. Just throw the ball his way. He's going to be able to bring it in. I think I think this is going to be a it's going to be tough for Bryce Young to become a good quarterback in the NFL. Not to say that he can't do it, but Carolina's offense is just abysmal. They it's trade away Christian McCaffrey. So your running game is gone. We've got Deontay Foreman who's going to get the start probably this week. Uh, is there any update on Roshan, by the way? I don't know if I asked that. Uh, we segment. talked about it
1: earlier. Like he has a, con- he has a concussion from the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. He was in concussion protocol. So they've got to clear him from that. We'll find yeah. out tomorrow uh, where he's at with that. Iberflus didn't have a lot of injury updates on Monday.
0: I know J-Mac said he talked with him after the game. He seemed okay. But the, the concussion is such a weird, mm-hmm. you know, with seven days, I would I'd know he wouldn't play. But maybe with 10, he gets out there. But, I mean, there's so much with Carolina that I'm like, there's no way you're going to be able to develop a quarterback here. Take it from a team that hasn't been able to develop a quarterback. And the one time we see one starting is when the offensive line starts to look good. So.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't get easier for them. They've got Miami this week before they're by. And then, you know, Houston Indy teams that have done better than them uh, yeah. with rookie quarterbacks. And then the Bears game in week 10. That's going to be a big one for Chicago to win.
0: Let's keep it going, man. Let's keep it going. That's another edition of the Chicago Bears pod. We've got uh, more coverage coming you guys way. Tomorrow's we'll be live covering uh, or reacting to uh, Coach Floos at the podium. Maybe we'll have a defensive senior assistant hire by then. I don't know. Uh, But hopefully we'll just have some injury updates. Me and J-Mac will be on that tomorrow. Stay tuned in with us. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page for Courtney Cronin. I'm Pat, the designer. Gotta stay safe by the Chicago Bear down. Peace.